0: To another episode of The Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come Detox with Detox. I'm your host, Joe Sean. On today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to Ratira Gupta. Ratira Gupta is an Emmy-winning journalist and founder of the anti-sex trafficking NGO Apni app that helps women and girls exit systems of prostitution. I Kick and I Fly is her debut fiction novel. She holds a Doctor of Humane Letters from Smith College. She's worked with the United Nations in Nepal, Thailand, Kosovo, Iran, and USA. And she teaches occasionally as a professor at New York University. Um, Ruchira is incredible. Uh, What I just read to you are some facts about her life, but she is truly a real life superhero. Starting as a journalist, following the story in her words, becoming an activist, now becoming in her words again, an author activist to help raise a new generation of people in awareness about what um, what might be going on in the world around them and how they can use their community and resources and tools to put an end to it and create a better world. It's a really fascinating conversation. I cannot thank Ruchira enough for coming on the podcast. Um, before we get to the episode, I do want to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on nostalgia overload with toys and action figures from the seventies, eighties, nineties, and today Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at theempiretoys.com and by Self Unbound. Your quality of life, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, is a direct reflection of the level of abundant energy, ease, and connection your nervous system has to experience your life. At Self Unbound, your nervous system takes center stage as we help unbind your limited healing potential through network, spinal, care. Access the first steps to your Unbound journey by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or at selfunbound.com. Now, without further ado, my conversation with Ruchira Gupta is right up after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast with me at this time. I'm really excited uh, to have her on the show. Ruchira Gupta. Ruchira, how are you doing today?
1: Thank you. I'm doing well and looking forward to talking to you.
0: Yes, I'm excited. I'm excited to have you on the show in general because I think you are an extremely impressive individual. You've done so much goodness, uh, in, in your life. And for me, one of my, uh, well, not one of the main, uh, why of why I get up out of bed every single day is I'm trying to make the world a little bit better than I found it every single day. And I want to leave a better world for my kids to grow up in. So when I'm gone, it's already that much better. And then they can take the mantle and move on. And so, um, when I got the opportunity to interview you and I'm doing some research and I'm just very impressed at the amount of uh, activism and humanitarianism and the type of, um, and then of course, authoring, uh, an incredible book, which we'll get into here in a little bit and just creating a world in which people, uh, are able to find hope or helping to contribute to a world where people are able to find hope is, um, is incredible. And so to me, you're the you're an incredible superhero, and so I'm excited to have you on the show and talk to you today. So just thank you so much for being on the show.
1: I love everything that you've said. You make me feel so happy even before our conversation has begun. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Um, I have quite a bit of questions about uh, your background and uh, what brought you to, to writing I Kick and I Fly, um, and we'll get into that. I, I do want to start. So... For people that are new to the detox podcast, uh, what I like to wel- what I like to do at the start of every episode is I like to welcome people to quote unquote detox from the world around them. Sit down uh, or or keep walking, whatever you're doing to listen, um, and get a window into how other people live their lives. And so uh, I do like to sort of ask every guest at the beginning of the show. And and Richira, I'll ask you, what are you currently? And I'm using air quotes here, detoxing from.
1: I'm detoxing right now from binge watching movies on Netflix, Amazon, and all the rest.
0: I uh, completely understand that. Um, I I, I, I'm. I will say a little ashamed uh, to say this, but I'm going to say, you know, Ruchira, just between you and me, I don't think anybody, uh, it's just a private conversation between the two of us. Certainly uh, no one's going to hear this and then come back and and send me a message about this later. Surely not. Um, I uh, was so uh, sucked into a few different shows. I had to make uh, a, a spreadsheet of what I was watching, where I was watching it, what season I was on. And then I had to stat rank what I was going to watch based on, all right, I prioritized. I'm like, which show am I watching? Has ended. There's no more seasons. They go to the top. Which ones are like, you know, limited series, right? Those go up next. And then which ones are sort of like, there's a show I have on there that has like ten seasons. I'm like, all right, that can go to the back. Like, I can start that whenever. I'm not going to worry about it. And that, and after I did that, I like took a big breath. I exhaled, and I went, all right, because I was feeling like, oh, I got to watch this, and I got to watch that, and I somebody know. said this. There's so, there's so the. Accessibility of content is overwhelming. I had to do the spreadsheet to to feel in control of my decisions. <laughs> so I, I also exactly, am trying to detox. You know,
1: I didn't make a spreadsheet, but I thought, okay, the way to detox is you know instead of watching series which have very many seasons I'll watch one which has limited episodes also shift from the big ones to eight episodes right then I thought okay I'm going to shift from eight episodes to movies you know and so that's how I'm getting off the whole thing
0: I like it I like it uh well perfect so let's um let me ask you let's start here um I want to know what brought you to Um, your initial career in journalism, which then eventually led to your activism work?
1: You know, I grew up in a city, a very, very big city called Calcutta, and uh, that has a lot of inequality in it. It has uh, people who are extremely rich and people who are extremely poor. In fact, uh, you may know that it was where Mother Teresa lived, and she literally picked up the dying and the sick from the sidewalk and took them into a home and nursed them and brought them back to life. So that is the city I was born in and raised in. It's also a city of poets and writers and intellectuals and cinema makers, you know, talking about film. And everyone there is a writer or wants to be a writer is doing something creative. And I grew up in that atmosphere. My own home, was like a salon my parents were staunch gandhians very infused with india's freedom struggle my dad had gone to a gone to jail as a 15 year old to oppose british colonialism my mother used to believe that even though we were a family of some wealth and privilege but my mother used to believe that we have to live simply and use our privilege and wealth to help other people so she would wear no jewelry ever in my life i've never seen her wear jewelry And she would always wear a white sari. So there was elegance at home. But the conversation was always about how, you know, what do you, not what you do, but what do you do for others.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, so our home was like a salon where all these politicians would collect. And along with that were the intellectuals of the day, writers and musicians and thinkers and philosophers. So there was always conversation going on around me. And I too wanted to be part of it. I was a child on looking on and I thought, you know, what I really want to do to change the world for the better is to write and expose problems, which I see around me. And if I write it, then people will do something about it. And that's how I decided I would be a writer. Of course, uh, you know, on the way, what happened was that I got a job in a newspaper. So I became a journalist instead. And that took me on a different journey because I, as a journalist, ended up in Nepal and found villages with missing girls. Mm. And that, of course, then took me on a journey which took me to the brothels of Bombay because I had to find out where these girls were as a good journalist. Right. And I saw little girls locked up in small rooms for years and I wanted to do something about it. And as a journalist, of course... Um, I made a documentary and told the story of this truly evil thing that I saw of people buying and selling girls from the most remote villages in the Himalayas and taking them and locking them up in small rooms. So my whole journey to become who I am really did become begin with wanting to be a writer. Hmm.
0: There's there's something powerful that you said where <clears throat> you mentioned taking you to, uh, you mentioned coming to, to Bombay about, uh, f- following the trail of the missing girls. Right. And specifically you mentioned, I did this because, uh, I was a good journalist. Right. And so I think I've spoken to a fair, a fair few journalists, um, throughout my time, uh, interviewing, and it doesn't matter whether they're covering um, human interest pieces, whether they're covering sports, whether they're covering politics. It doesn't matter. Every single person has been consistent in what you said of, I had to follow the story. Where does the story lead? And I think what's so powerful about that mentality in this specific situation is that it led you to a place where people weren't asking questions and where people were, it felt like, almost, um, not, in, not welcoming right? S- sort of those questions and the questions needed to be asked, the light needed to be, um, put on the practices and the situations. So more people would ask questions and we could start to create a way to bring them out of where they were at and, and to the point about the book, which we'll get into prevent the situation from happening in the, in the first place for sure.
1: That's so true. You know, asking the question at any given moment is part of the answer, right?
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so you made the documentary and uh, you helped to shine a light on these these horrible practices that were occurring and had been occurring for some time. Um, how did you transition from uh, making that sort of initial documentary to some of the other uh, foundation work that you did um, from that period of time that continued the activism work
1: so you know what happened was while i was making the documentary i was upset because you know as a journalist i'd covered war i'd covered famine i'd covered hunger i'd even covered uh, you know natural disasters but i had never seen this kind of deliberate exploitation of one human being by another and that too in such an intimate uh, situation so um, you know I was upset as a human being I was angry as a woman I uh, could not understand how something like this could be happening in my lifetime in my generation in my country in my world you know and I wanted to do something about it so um Of course, the first thing was that I finished making the documentary, because that's what I knew that break the silence, tell the story, and that's how we will change the end. And I took the, you know, I won an Emmy for outstanding investigative journalism for the documentary. But when I was on stage looking at the bright lights and the people smiling and applauding, all I could see beyond the lights were the eyes of the women in the brothels of Mumbai who had told me their story. And they had done so because they wanted a different future for their daughters. They had told me that's why they were breaking their silence, and so I could see their eyes. And in that moment, I decided that I would use my M.E. not to build a career in journalism, but to make a difference. Yeah. And that's I think that was the moment when I switched from being a journalist to an activist. And um, you know, the rest is you'll hear the story unfold. But I went back with the award and the documentary to the women in Mumbai, and we sat on a straw mat. And I said, I've done what I promised you, I've told your story, the world knows about your issues now. And they said, but that's not enough, you have to help us get our daughters into school. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't know how I'm not a teacher, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a social worker, I'm not even a lawyer. I don't know. So they said, no, you have access to wealth and privilege, you know, English, So you can definitely do something. And I thought, yeah, I can. And uh, so we sat together. I asked the women what they wanted. They had four dreams. They said they wanted a job in an office, school for their children, a room of their own, and punishment of the perpetrators. And that became our business plan, those dreams. We hired a teacher, rented a room in an abandoned municipal school, and started classes that was the first thing and fast forward now you know we've helped thousands of girls from red light districts and brothels finish school graduate from college find jobs and we are still doing so we've also helped women exit systems of prostitution linking them to bank accounts livelihoods safe housing um and we have organized so many women across India. We've set up community classrooms in red light district in, after red light district and organized women in small circles of 10 to be able to take action collectively, find the courage. And you know, we've also marched on the streets to change laws in parliament. And I did the same with my NE and my documentary besides going to the NGO in India. I took the documentary to the United Nations. And I spoke to the delegates there asking for a law on trafficking, which would not punish the women and girls, but give them services, and punish those who had bought them and sold them. And today that is called the UN protocol to end trafficking in persons. Uh, And I took this, I did the same, I showed the documentary to the US Congress and Senate. And um, I asked for a law which would uh, decriminalize the women and girls and punish the perpetrators, the sex buyers and the traffickers. And that now is the US uh, Trafficking Victim Protection Act. I contributed to the passage of these laws. I set up an NGO to help girls, girl by girl. And you know then I went across the world to help law by law, girl by girl. And um, You know, here I am today, you know, trying one more thing, which is that as a lifelong activist, now I want to recruit the next generation of activists who will take on this um, movement to create a world in which no child is bought or sold, no girl or woman is bought or sold. And um, so, therefore, now I've written a book which is based on truth and hope. Uh, on the experiences of girls in my NGO who overcame the worst of situations Mm -hmm. and found their strength and escaped the sex trade and became heroes. So I've shared their courage and their triumph in my book, I Kick and I Fly. And it's written as a young adult book, it's published by Scholastic. And uh, I'm taking it around the country from bookstore to bookstore, library to library, corridors of power, uh, you know, schools in Harlem and talking about the book uh, and asking everyone to join my movement, become part of the community. I'm literally passing on the baton now to the next generation who are the 14-year-olds who will stand by other fourteen-year-olds who might be trafficked just because they have less privilege. Right. So I'm not stopped being an activist, but I keep using different methods. So now I call myself an author activist.
0: I so first of all, I love that, and and from a you know a, a succession planning aspect, like that's what you got to do, right? So you you do what you know, which was the journalistic aspect, the documentary aspect, and putting it out there. Then you learn something new all right let's let's build schools let's get women some jobs let's get their kids educated let's let's do this new activism that you had to learn and now it's like all right i've learned and we've learned and now let's teach the next generation yes. so they can learn and they can get started sooner faster different resources spread it out and then you're able to you know kind of go on and continue to oversee that's it's perfect cuz that's that's how it grows I do want, I want to talk about a kick and I fly. And before we do that, I do do just want to highlight something that you said that I thought was so powerful. You talked about your, the way you felt when you found out that this was happening um, or that this could be happening in your country. Right. And you specifically using the words like, how could this be happening in my country? And I think that, that there's a lot of emotions in there. There's, there's some pride. There's some um, sadness. Um, there's some anger. There's a lot of d- different emotions all at the same time. Um, and it's, it's a sense of uh, in disbelief. How could this be happening? I'm angry that it's happening. I'm sad that it's happening. Um, and I want my country to do better. I want... This to not be happening. So how can I take pride in in create, in create helping to create a situation where it's not happening anymore? And then people can say, it's not happening in this. In, well, eventually, it's not happening at all, period, full stop. Um, and that's the goal. But I just, I wanted to highlight that because I think it is so profound to feel all of those emotions at once especially in relation to a situation where we have an entire group of individuals who are not able to live a quote unquote normal life because of inequality, because of lack of privilege, because of lack of resources. And that's just simply unacceptable and unacceptable is not even a strong enough word, but it is, it is, you know, I think it's encompassing of the situation. Um, and I, I, I love the fact that you called yourself an author activist because I think you and I can have a conversation about what needs to be done and the resources that are being used to do it. And I can roll up my sleeves and I can get to work and you can point me in the right direction and I've got it. If I'm a 14 year old kid, Um, I may not listen to to two adults talking, uh, right, and having a dialogue, but I will pick up a book about an incredible girl who learns martial arts and learns, you know, body autonomy and empowerment for herself. Like, that sounds awesome. I'm a huge fan of The Hunger Games. I'm a huge fan of novels where there's a teenage girl who's the the main character who um, takes charge of the situation and charts her own course. Um, So I love that. So let's talk about I Kick and I Fly, and talk to me about sort of, you know, you did a little bit about uh, pulling in stories that you had heard, but what really brought you to the idea of writing this particular uh, book in this way?
1: So my book, I Kick and I Fly, is about a 14-year-old girl from a nomadic tribe in India. And that tribe is dirt poor, completely marginalized, so oppressed that they believe that prostitution is the destiny of all the girls and women in their tribe. It's passed down from mother to daughter and girls are sold whenever the fair comes into town. Um, My uh, heroine's name is Hira, which means diamond. And she's like a diamond in the dust waiting to be polished. She knows that uh, she too is going to be sold into prostitution, into the sex trade, especially when she's expelled from school for stealing an egg and then kicking the teeth of the class bully who teases her. So uh, school was her only source of food. And she knows now that her father, who's an alcoholic and works for the local crime lord, will actually try to sell her. The cattle fair is about to come to town and um, she's sitting and crying when a woman's right advocate enrolls her in a Kung Fu program. Through the practice of Kung Fu, Hira, discovers the power of her body and learns to fight for it. Yes. Till the point when she actually says that learning self-defense taught me that I have a self worth defending. Yes. This, this is super important because she did not even know that she had this power. She used to think her body was an object to be preyed upon. Right. And instead of that, she realized it's a vessel to empower herself and others around her. And then there comes a moment in the story where Hira actually wins a gold medal in Kung Fu. And you know suddenly the bullying in school stops. Suddenly the town people and even the teachers who would say, oh, why do you even come to school? You come from that community where girls are sold into the sex trade. Why bother coming to school? They respect her because now she's won a gold medal for the school. The villagers, which used to say that, you know, uh, girls from red light areas should not be sent to the same school as children from other children from the village, stop saying that because she's won the district level gold medal and brought name and fame to the village. And that sense of pride is so contagious that her own family, which had thought they were worth nothing, her own father who wanted to sell her, And the strip lane that she lived in, where every house was a brothel, and no woman had the courage to keep her daughter in school, because they too believed this was the destiny of the tribe. Suddenly, they all get infected by Hira's courage, and they all fight to keep their daughters in school. And her father actually decides to leave the criminal gang and stand up to the crime overlord saying I want to protect my daughter because Hira's courage makes him feel better about himself and feel pride. So, you know, I uh, wrote this book because, of course, um, it's inspiring. I wanted to inspire young people and give them some clues to how to deal with complicated relationships, like the kind that I've described in the book, the father-daughter relationship, the mother-daughter, brother-daughter teacher-student relationship, friends, you know, who might be good friends or bullies or whatever. So there are complicated family relationships in my book, but there's also a hope and there's also triumph because Hira is a fighter and she fights against adversity and turns every crisis into an opportunity at the end of every chapter. Every chapter ends with a cliffhanger that what's going to happen to her and she triumphs. She triumphs over poverty. She triumphs over discrimination, bullying, body shaming, sex, you know, she's not sexually abused, but she's on the verge of it, and how she does it. So um, there, I call the book a social justice adventure, because it's very fast paced. And uh, Hira goes through a lot of things to get where she does. And I don't want to give the story away. But you know, there's tapping, there's a rescue, there's a daring mission, uh, where Hira plays the ultimate cards that she has in Queens in New York. So all of that happens, you know, and there's, of course, it's a true crime. The interesting thing is that, you know, I wrote the story with my eyes shut, imagining the truth of the experiences that I had gone through in my NGO Apnea, which actually works in the red light area of Forbizganj, which I describe in the book. And um, the kind of tribe, nomadic tribe that I describe in the book. And I really did have girls who had I had uh, started a hostel for. And I had put them into the hostel. And I used to be scared because the traffickers would come and jump over the walls to kidnap the girls. Oh. And I had to make the walls higher. I had to hire a security guard. But also, I did one more thing because I would come from my home to the community center in the hostel and I would see two people teaching karate to some kids uh, in the rice fields and I remember I stopped and asked them I said would you come and teach karate to the kids um, or kung fu whatever you can teach to the girls in my hostel and they said yes we can and at that time my only desire was that if these girls are kidnapped by these traffickers or whoever is coming to get at them, at least they should be able to kick them back. You right. know, if not, yes. yes. I did not realize that discovery of the power of the body is much more than that. It's not just about kicking back, but it's about understanding your chi, you know, what I described, yes. I quote Bruce Lee in the book quite a bit. How do you center your chi? Because once you know that your body, your mind and your heart are in alignment, then you can function better outside. And I saw that, I saw that, you know, I was just thinking they'll defend themselves. But actually, you know, I saw the girls, they used to walk hunched, they used to hate their body, because they thought there would be traffic for their body, right? And suddenly, I saw their uh, shoulders open up, they walked straight, they discovered that they were flexible, agile, they could balance. And, you know, I saw new pride and confidence which then led them to doing better in school, and having dreams and aspirations. So everything changed around the understanding of their bodies. And it's such an integral part of the self. And yet, you know, so much happens to teenagers where they are body shamed. Yes, all the time, you're too fat, you're too thin, you're dark skinned, you're fair skinned, your hair is this, your hair is that, you know, put on some lipstick, don't put on some lipstick, you know, right. it's like, you're family. not masculine enough you're not feminine enough right. you know and or you're sissy you're too manly you know anything right. anything is done to shame yes and we destroy the person's self esteem through this body shaming yes and when kids don't have that self esteem they are more likely to be recruited by very dangerous people yes they will say oh we think you're pretty we like you you are lonely, don't go to them, don't go to your parents, don't go to your school friends for help, come to us. And now it's happening online. So we'll create yes. fake reports. And uh, you know, the sexual predators will just take the kids to a very dangerous place. Yeah. And uh, so my book uh, is based on truth. And it's also based on hope and even the hope is based on truth. Because a girl in a very extreme circumstance and the truth is there's not one Hira. There are many Hiras, right, in the right, world. Right. So if she could succeed, then I think there are answers in the book which any kid anywhere can find, right? Yes. Like how do you deal with these issues? Even the power of women's collective action. Like how yes. do you? How can a community come together yes. to do something around um, when it resolves that it cares about something very deeply? Yeah.
0: I... There's so much goodness there, right? So first of all, the book in and of itself, if, you, if you're if you listening and you've not bought a copy yet, I'm not really sure what you're doing with your time. You should absolutely be buying a copy for yourself, uh, for your kids, for someone else's kids, for the library, whatever, right? Just buy plenty of copies because the point of this is the sense of empowerment. That one gets from understanding that their body is theirs, their body is is not someone else's. Their body is not meant to be preyed upon. Their body can be um, this powerful entity. That is power. And the story of Hira learning martial arts and getting to um, to start uh, down a new path is inspiring and then hearing the stories that inspired the story is empowering and i know i did um um i did tai chi um uh oh. and uh i started doing it about 10 years ago and it was something where i was you know, kind of hunched over, and it's a very different situation. I'm not comparing my situation um, to the women you described, but I, except to say, I also, you know, didn't realize how unempowered I felt in general until I started becoming in tune with myself and my chi and my inner energy that I could then push out then I started really feeling that I was coming alive and understanding exactly who I am as an individual. So if, if I can right in, in this one particular area, imagine like to your, to your point, it's so empowering on such a grand scale. And this is a book that all kids need because you're right. As they progress throughout the world and get into junior high and high school and and wherever, and you know, even when you're in the corporate world as well, right? Like there's always people that are trying to give you comments to bring you down, to make you feel less than, and if you feel empowered and inspired, then you're able to go, all right, well, I don't know what's wrong with them. I know what I got. I'm good. I don't need to worry about it. And I can move on. It just rolls right off. Um, I want to ask you as we're starting to wrap up, I want to ask you one final question and
1: I want to just add one oh, more yes, thing, absolutely. Know, I, want tell, I want to tell parents who are listening in that, uh, you know, if you need any resources for the teenagers in your life, I have them. It's on my website and I have additional resources because I've been working with teenagers for ne- decades now. And I work with teenagers who are in very extremely difficult situations in the red light areas of India. But I also deal with teenagers in New York, where I live now, I'm a professor at New York University, and I take 10 to 15 summer interns and other interns through the year. And I teach them all kinds of skills from learning how to run an NGO to understanding the problem of human trafficking, to applying for jobs in the UN, storytelling, and its intersection with activism, and also finding themselves. So I think you know, I could help if you want to reach out, you're most welcome to uh, go to my website and you'll find resources. And along in in the back end section of the book, also I've created resources. And uh, let's break the silence. Don't be afraid of the subject that I'm using in the book, because this is happening to children around us. More than we know, the Center for Disease Control has just come out with a report which says that teen mental health is the biggest problem in America. And one of the reasons is the culture of silence, because we don't talk to kids about things which matter to them. So let's use a story which is told in the third person, which has resources to talk about very many issues with young people. And now to the Wrap like up question. Well,
0: you know, I was going to ask you about. I was I was about to pause because I realized I had two questions. One was resources for parents, of which you addressed, right? And so your website we will, of course, put the links in the in the in the description and the notes, so people can go uh, can go get that. But the 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 final question I have before we uh, pivot to the last section of the of the episode, I want to ask you, um, what do you want readers of the book to walk away feeling? when they've completed it.
1: I want them to walk away feeling hopeful, courageous, triumphant, and inspired to stand by the next hero, the next last girl that they know in their life so that she too can become a hero and discover the power of her body and kick and fly.
0: I love that. Oh, Ruchira, thank you so much. I, this is incredible. I kick and I fly. People have got to pick it up. And now we're going to, before we wrap up, we're going to pivot to the last uh, segment of the episode. It's a segment I like to call Things to Check Out. It is a segment where I recommend something to read, watch and or listen to that is separate from uh, the featured uh, topic, right? In this case, I kick and I fly. That's the main thing that folks need to go read, but I also provide additional recommendations and I invite my guests to do the same. So I will go ahead and go first. Um, watching recommendation, we were talking about limited series and and perhaps maybe um, things that you can consume and maybe not feel like you've got 20 or 30 years worth of Grey's Anatomy, or I don't even know what it's up to now, right? Like ahead of you. Um, but I, uh, I uh, love sports, and I really enjoy um, sports documentaries. And so I have started digging into bad sport on Netflix. I started with the Juventus Juventus um, Italian soccer scandal um, because yeah. I'm a huge soccer fan. Um, and then I, I chose to watch the episode about uh, South Africa's cricket captain um, because I – do not understand cricket and i really wanted a documentary to explain the rules of cricket to me and they did and they did a pretty good job um and then i was able to like i understand through google and context the rest of it um but i actually went to india um oh it was uh, 21 years ago at this point oh my goodness and i uh, was uh, my uh, my dad actually uh worked with a company that did uh, strength and conditioning clinics and camps with the Olympic Center and a couple different things and so I was 15 and I got to tag along and it was cool and everywhere we went the the kids that were sort of in the villages were trying to teach me to play cricket and I picked it up like a baseball bat and like I'm ready to go and they were like you know laughing at me and and you know gently teasing like no no this is how you this is how you hit it and this is how you bowl it and I'm like I don't understand what you're saying. And of course I was terrible at cricket and they were laughing and you know, it was incredible. I loved it. It Wonderful memory, um, that I have, but so yes, I've always wanted to know the rules since then. So bad sport on Netflix. Um, I recommend that from a reading perspective, I think something that I've been, um, sort of getting back into reading is uh, the book Cast. So I read that a couple of years ago uh, after the murder of George Floyd. And I think the book does a really good job of taking sort of this idea of of caste and hierarchy within, um, in this case, like we're talking about the country of India or similar um, uh, countries, and then likening it and, and helping, um, in this case, Americans understand uh, the history of racial construct and how, um, we are in, in effect in a caste system with the way that we have set things up in the country to limit people's successes. So it's been, it's been an incredible, uh, reread uh, for myself so I recommend that and then listening to um, I uh, uh, this is a so I usually will recommend a podcast I am um, listening to quite a bit of Spotify music and uh, Spotify just rolled out something odd that was an AI DJ um, and I thought I would dislike it and I've really enjoyed it and it's very odd because it talks to me um, every so many uh, songs and it uh, it can change it up but I don't know it it clearly knows me better than I know myself. It's just when I'm like, ah, this music, I'm not really feeling this folk music. I really want something maybe a bit more upbeat. They come on and they're like, all right, so we're going to change it up and we're going to change it to something more upbeat. So I don't know. I'm going to say it's all good. It's probably not. It's fine. It's whatever. I don't quite understand it, but yes. So I would say if you don't have the Spotify DJ function on your app, it's probably coming uh, and you can check that out. But anyways, all right. Richira, what's something to watch, read, and or listen to?
1: So I love The Queen's Gambit. If you oh. haven't seen it, it's so worth yes. seeing. Uh, there's texture. And then there's a wonderful old movie, uh, which is still there on Netflix, worth seeing. It's called Holes. It's like an all-time favorite of mine about a young kid who ends up uh, in a juvenile delinquent kind yes. of place out in a ranch. Yes, with Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an old film, but it's totally worth seeing. And yes. I really love it. And, of course, go see Enter the Dragon by Bruce Lee.
0: Yes. If
1: you want oh. to watch a companion movie to my book, I Kick and I Fly, that might be good.
0: I and, couldn't agree more.
1: You know, I have been watching um, right now Happy Valley, which yes. is... Um,
0: That's on... Uh, uh, is that on a Peacock?
1: Or Amazon or something like... Peacock, maybe, yeah. yeah. some on Peacock, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy Valley is good. And, uh, you know, I also on HBO is uh, Mayor of East Town, which is excellent.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: That's also very good. So, yeah, there's been a bunch.
0: Uh, Ruchira over here dropping gems for people to go check out. I love it. Great, great, great recommendations. All right. Uh, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: There are two ways. One is they can follow my Instagram account, which is Ruchira A. Gupta. And my Twitter account is just Ruchira Gupta. So those are the two places I'm the most active. I'm not so active on Facebook anymore.
0: I think that goes for... And on
1: TikTok, I've just begun. so I would actually appreciate all of you following me and liking me. Sharing my stuff on TikTok. Um, Again, it's Ruchira A. Gupta. Okay. And the other thing I would appreciate very much is if anyone reads my book, uh, please go. And if you buy the book from Amazon, then please do uh, put in a review in the Amazon customer review section because then I can read it and share it with other people.
0: Absolutely. That is the single best way for people to see the book over and over again is when you purchase the book, leaving a review, a rating and a review. It helps the algorithm know that people are reading this, purchasing it, and we should get it in front of other people who might want to read and purchase it. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely love it. Ah, oh, Richira. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You have open invitation. Anytime you want to come back, I'm excited. You don't even have to write a book. We can just talk about making the world a better place and whatever is up next. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you, Joe. It was wonderful chatting with you. And hopefully one day we'll play cricket.
0: Yes, I agree. I think that would be wonderful. Well, listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds, and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's now dot com